Good morning and welcome to the Kim Jong Bowie Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Daig. With me, as always, is my co-host, Gabe Sabarzo. Hey, what's up, Cam? Getting a little uh, more Saturday morning podcasting in. Oh yeah, baby. Saturday morning. Uh, got a nice little like fog going outside, so like the light isn't too harsh to uh, give me a headache or nothing. Like this is great podcasting weather. When I when I usually leave in the morning, it feels like cool, and so I like will wear long sleeves or a jacket, mm-hmm. and then I get outside at like midday, and it's just back to Texas weather. So dude, so you can never, I can never really tell. Yeah, but tis Texas, tis what we do. So indeed um so yeah we're doing it on saturday so we'll have a little bit of like information more information uh i guess for sunday's games and then we've already done the thursday night games uh so we'll hit that a little bit uh recap that and kind of give our best updates we uh in this week gabe the trade deadline passed in our league um and we were talking last week on the pod about you know just like wow trades have really like declined a little bit like uh felt like it was going super rapid and then for the last couple weeks there really wasn't much going on uh then we get to this trade deadline and it was like boom 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 we had like four different trades i think uh we had one person that was involved with almost all the trades (laughs) this week that we'll get into um so a lot of movement happening this week in our league uh we'll hit the trade deadline stuff we'll hit our our injury news uh, then we'll kind of do our usual report and recap uh, from last week and then look ahead to this coming week. Um, so let's go ahead and get started here. Let's go right into uh, the injuries, Gabe. And uh, just a reminder, we're going to hit the injuries a little bit quicker and like highlight one or two. Uh, I didn't. I don't think there was too many here, Gabe, but if, if I miss one, go ahead and just like jump in and add. Um, But what I had the big ones for fantasy relevancy was uh, Joe Mixon being announced out this week, Chris Carson being announced out, both similar situations where, like, I think everybody thought they'd return a little bit quicker than they have. Um, And then DeAndre Swift got a concussion this week. He was out after playing really well the last couple weeks. Um, Kenny Galladay has been announced as out. And then Drew Brees gets knocked out of last week's game. Um, And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because uh, the Saints kind of surprised everyone. At least they surprised me uh, by announcing uh, Drew Brees' backup being Taysom Hill rather than Jameis Winston. Um, And so I thought that was interesting, uh, a little bit shocking, um, and will will be relevant to, I think, the weapons for the Saints uh, to see how Taysom Hill can be as an actual quarterback. So did I miss anything, Gabe? Uh, Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints, he said 19 hours ago that Sean Payton will not confirm who is starting at quarterback. And so it's, it is, he, he's kind of walked back since he decided that uh, I think that they were covering the saints and they were saying that Taysom Hill was taking starter reps and stuff. And so we may have jumped the gun a little bit on Taysom Hill, but um, it is still looking like it's a possibility. And so, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens with the saints, but definitely something to 
keep an eye on this Sunday. Yeah, I think what I realized once he we they were like going back and forth with the Taysom Hill and Jameis thing is like I just want no part of that because I cannot afford for my quarterback to possibly go in for two snaps and that be it for the game. And so I was just like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm going to I'm going to pivot. I'm going to get out of the Jameis Winston thought um and go to something else. So yeah yeah so now we're uh i think i saw you pick up andy dalton is that the the plan yeah i don't know that that's gonna be any better but uh but we'll it, see we'll see it should i mean andrew andy dalton's been through the ringer a little bit covid and the concussion oh, and man, stuff death concussion. and i i think that he uh he said that he was still dealing with um like some of the recovery from covid mm-hmm. but um I don't know. Andy Dalton as a professional NFL quarterback is better than the options that are um, that have been starting at quarterback for the Cowboys. So I do think that um, like we've seen the worst that it can get. So it can only get better. I think I think that Zeke and Amari Cooper at the very least will uh, we'll see a little bit of a bounce back from them this week. Yeah, I think it was encouraging. And I think we hit on this a little bit last week, but it was encouraging to see the Cowboys play a lot better against the Steelers. In no way do I think this team's going to be competitive um, as far as like winning the division uh, or anything this year. But it was nice to see them like play actual good football. And me and Zach were actually talking about this because I, uh, I was giving him a hard time. I was like, dude, why do you want the Cowboys to fail so miserably? And we were talking about like the playing against the Steelers was like a perfect loss because it was competitive. The team played well. We saw some good things out of a bunch of uh, of our players, um, and and it like gave us fun as fans. But ultimately, like we lost the game and still had uh, or have still given us a good chance for a good draft pick. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for the rest of the season, even with fantasy relevancy. Like I I hope C D Lamb can can continue to like be a great rookie wide receiver um with Andy Dalton you know and so all these weapons I I hope that we see more of that Cowboys team than we do the Cowboys team of like early season um which I think will be super helpful for fantasy relevancy but we'll see definitely agree definitely agree Trevon Diggs played well Jalen Smith was playing well uh Leighton Vander Esch came back I think the defense was the encouraging part uh for me in that in that game so yeah, and Garrett Gilbert was he he was fine. Like he yeah, put his team in a position to win at the end. Uh, didn't ultimately get it done, uh, but but did what he could as like a guy who you would ex- who is your fourth string quarterback. You know, you're not expecting right. much out of that. So right. Uh, so yeah, I didn't mean to go off on a Cowboys tangent, but we got Cowboys fans. Well. So at least at least once a pod we have to. Yeah. It's in our contract. Once a pod and at least four times a week in the sleeper. Yeah. Room, so it's it's part of the contract that we signed when we joined <laughs> this league. Uh did we miss any other injuries or any other ones you wanted to hit, Gabe? Uh no, not really. I mean, you can mention Drew Locke and Matthew Stafford if you wanted, just because yeah. they have implications for the weapons, like Jerry Judy and Noah Fant. Um, they both are potentially still starting this week. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit more confident in Matthew Stafford starting than Drew Locke. Yep, I was going to say that exact same thing. Um, yeah, I don't think like I mean I'm I'm trying to start Matthew Stafford this week. I'm trying to stack Matthew Stafford and Marvin Jones against uh, against Garrett. I'm I'm playing this week a little bit like if I was playing uh, 
DFS, like DraftKings, because Garrett's team, I think, is probably it's banged up, but it like if if everyone plays to their potential, like he should beat me. I have it a bit of an advantage now that Russell Wilson and Buddha Baker have both already played. Yeah. But I still need kind of a ceiling game from a lot of my players. So I'm trying to like stack my quarterback and receiver, you know, and like mm. play rookies and uh, high upside players instead of just floor plays. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, uh, it also sucks for Garrett that um, this uh, Joe Mixon injury has been day to day for like 18 weeks now. So, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because they keep switching him from out to ir to day-to-day like doesn't that affect whether or not he can put him in his ir spot so i think that depends on the setting of the league but yeah i don't think like on like he can't just like permanently have him in the ir spot i think he has to take him out at the beginning of the week and then put him back in and so he basically is taking up a roster spot yeah and an ir spot simultaneously which also sucks that is unfortunate i do think uh, I do think he comes back next week, so hopefully that will be um, done and over with yep. uh, for Garrett. Um, but, yeah, I can imagine that's not been fun, even though his record uh, is still first in the league. So he's yep. doing fine. Um, yep. It is kind of nice, Gabe, that we didn't have to spend, like, 30 minutes on injuries uh, this week like we have before. Uh, yeah. From a standpoint of like just having to go through a list of 25 names and <laughs> saying all of them. So that's really nice like for the league. I know we've still had uh, some really big injuries this year, but hopefully hopefully these players are like getting in more of like a routine with the season and their bodies getting in uh, more of a routine. And so you're going to see less of those like hamstring injuries. Yeah, soft uh, tissue. Soft tissue. And it's a lot more like day-to-day stuff where they're just right. – they're getting banged up and so they may miss a practice or two but ultimately like they're able to play um, yeah so hopefully that's that's a trend that um keeps on going the rest of the, yeah, the rest agree. of the season so i agree um okay moving on here so as i mentioned before trade deadline in our league was this week uh we were there was a few people that were pretty active um daniel ultimately decided to pull the trigger on the full scale rebuild um, so we'll talk about those big trades. Uh, but the first trade that happened um, was between Camden and Garrett. And so Camden uh, received Todd Gurley and Ronald Jones. And Garrett received Latavius Murray and David Montgomery. Uh, when I when I first saw this trade, it, it was so funny because I was like, wow, it's like, Two pretty inefficient running backs for two pretty inefficient running backs. Um, <laughs> and so, well, I guess not inefficient is not the right word, but it's just like not really top tier, not really bottom tier. It's like these guys are probably going to be in your flex, maybe your RB2 spot. Um, and so I thought it was an interesting trade. Uh, do you see more of like an upside swing for Camden? And that's kind of what he was looking at. And is Garrett just like really trying to solidify a flex spot like what were your thoughts yeah so first of all i will say that i was happy with our trade deadline being a lot more exciting than the nfl's trade deadline um we got some <laughs> trades done that actually included significant players and it wasn't just like isaiah ford for a late round pick <laughs> or something like that yeah. so that was pretty exciting yeah 
but for this this trade specifically, um, I think for Garrett, what I see this as is trading volatility for clarity. Um, so I think Garrett was definitely fed up with trying to figure out who to start like in his RB2 slot alongside Alvin Kamara. Mm. So he traded for like a high floor, high volume RB2 and then Alvin Kamara at like insurance for Alvin Kamara. Because if anything happens to Alvin Kamara, now he has the like insurance policy and um, arguably the, the rushing upside of Latavius Murray on that same team. Meanwhile, I see Camden as trading for two volatile but still starting running backs with upside like you were talking about Mm -hmm. and sure you could say that todd Gurley may have some touchdown regression coming but the the at the end of the day these guys are still both todd Gurley and ronald jones in the top 24 running backs uh like in fantasy yeah uh, as far as this year is concerned just because there's so few consistent running back options and so um, ultimately, I think as far as from a dynasty value perspective in a vacuum, I think Camden got more value out of the trade. But I think it makes sense for somebody like Garrett, who um, like those players could end up like beating him, like like he could end up beating himself with Todd Gurley and Ronald Jones <laughs> rather than um, like actually succeeding because Alvin Kamara has such a like breakout potential he really just needs 10 to 12 points which i think uh david montgomery is good for every week and you never really know with ronald jones and todd Gurley. yeah it's funny about david montgomery he's good for 10 to 12 points every week and that is all he's going to get is 10 to 12 points every week right Um, right so yeah that i i i like what you said about like the more of the consistency for garrett like it totally makes sense for where both of their teams are at um side note i definitely thought ronald jones was gonna get cut during the game when he fumbled Um, i know (laughs) like i thought that was it man like i thought bruce arians was gonna lose it but (laughs) like actually a super encouraging sign for him is bruce arians put him right back in there and he had a 98 yard touchdown run so um i i do think there's a lot more upside with ronald jones for camden um if he can gain that trust of trust of bruce arians like that's a that's yeah. a nice piece to have. So, and I think if you if you watch the games um, without really looking at the players that you have on your fantasy team, I think you can notice that Ronald Jones is like a better eye test rusher mm. than Leonard Fournette. Yeah, but uh, Leonard Fournette, like like Ronald Jones, has some stone hands, some fumbling problems. Like he's not a complete running back, but he is a pretty good like rusher. And so I think there's, um, it's going to be a little bit dependent on if the Buccaneers are winning or losing and if they need Leonard Fournette in there to catch passes and run the ball or if they just need like somebody who is going to like bust off consistent like five to 10 yard mm-hmm. uh, rushes. So um, it'll be interesting to monitor the rest of the way. But I do think that it's the backfield is not quite as unpredictable as maybe sometimes we make it out to be as fantasy players, but it is still pretty volatile because you never know which Buccaneers team you're going to get. If you're going to get this, the Buccaneers that came out versus the saints, or if you're going to get the Buccaneers that have, uh, that have showed up most of the rest of the season. On to our next trade here. Uh, so this is these, 
next three trades were all on the day of the trade deadline. Um, and I don't know if like Daniel just something happened and he ultimately just decided that day to make the decision. But it started a run of him selling players for um, future, future assets or young assets. And so the first trade here we got is uh, between Garrett and Daniel. So Garrett gets Jacoby Myers, uh, the wide receiver for the Patriots. And Daniel got a 2021 second round pick. I, uh, I thought this was a great trade for both teams. Um, Daniel flips Jacoby Myers, who was a nobody at the beginning of the season, for a second, a future asset, you know, uh, that's good for his rebuild. That's good for his ability to like get better in the future for still kind of an unknown in Jacoby Myers and Garrett's team is in a position for him to like take that risk. Um, and if this ends up being like, he's a consistent wide receiver too, like that only makes Garrett's championship hopes better, you know? So like, did you have any other thoughts on that trade? No, pretty much the exact same. I think that, um, like I was glad that Daniel finally did commit to the rebuild, even mm -hmm. if it was on uh, the day of our trade trade deadline, November sixteenth. I think better late than never is the uh, the lesson here or the the story here. Yeah. And so, uh, and Garrett trading for really the only New England wide receiver with pulse, um, <laughs> over a forty percent target share last three weeks. Um, they're using him in gadget plays as a quarterback because he used to play quarterback and of like he's really the like if new england passes for 210 yards this week which i think is the line that vegas has them at jacoby myers has to gain 180 of those yards because they literally don't have like nobody else there this season has a pulse and it's it's crazy they throw to the running backs and they throw to jacoby myers so i think that if, if cam newton and the patriots can find some sort of an offensive groove uh, Jacoby Myers could be a real asset, but um, like I don't know that he's going to be a long-term dynasty asset. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like I said, uh, Daniel traded someone that he picked up off waivers for a late second. That's kind of the dream if you're in a rebuild. So, yeah. um, my winner is like from a dynasty value perspective. I, I say Daniel, but again, there's no real winner because the trade makes sense both ways. The next trade we have here is between Camden and Daniel. So Camden gets Dallas Goddard um, tied in for Philadelphia. And then Daniel gets Jared Cook in a 2021 second, which is actually Zach's pick, uh, which was funny because I think Zach had made like some comment that he's not happy his name got attached to that trade or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead and give me your thoughts and then I'll share yeah uh well my first thoughts are like what is the random fab at the end of these trades that all, <laughs> I didn't like even daniel, add. <laughs> daniel throws random fab dollars into the trades it's like, definitely just... for the lulls like 100 <laughs> percent, because fab is almost meaningless in our league um yeah because of how deep our bench is but yeah, no, yeah. He, it's definitely for the lulls i guess it's like you know when you watch those uh crime shows and the murderer like will leave his signature? <laughs> like that's definitely what Daniel's doing on all of his trades. Wait, that's actually hilarious, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Fab is Fab is wild because the the highest fab that I've spent this year, I put thirty dollars onto Carlos Hyde because I wanted like a week where Chris Carson was out and Carlos Hyde was in because I was like pretty confident that 
Carlos Hyde, they signed to be the backup to Chris Carson. Mm -hmm. But then the injury just so happened to be where, like, the timetable. I thought Chris Carson was actually going to be ahead of Carlos Hyde. So I dropped him this week for Salvin Ahmed because I have Miles Gaskin now. Daniel picks him up for free, and he finally gets that week where (laughs) Chris Carson is inactive and he's active. And I I don't know. Fab (laughs) Fab is wild in this league, man. Yeah. So he picked him up for free and got the value that I was trying to get for $30. So... (laughs) I'm not bitter, but I'm a little bit bitter. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it at all. <laughs> um, but anyways, as far as the the trade is concerned, um, I mean, both both of them have other tight ends on their roster, so there's not a ton of implications for this for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a dynasty perspective, um, I will say that it's probably worth bringing up that Zach Ertz is in a contract year, yeah, and Richard Rogers is on a one year deal. So it could be the Dallas Goddard show at tight end starting as soon as next year. We'll have to see. But I do. Dallas Goddard is one of the most interesting tight ends, not named George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, I think, in Dynasty. So um, I think Camden wins like from a value perspective. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I don't know that this trade is going to have a ton of value. I think that the 2021 second round pick could just as easily um provide equal or even greater value and it was this trade when it came through after daniel put every single player he owned on the trade block was a bit of a letdown because i was expecting like an everything must go just get (laughs) the entire first round of picks and we get some backup tight ends but anyways i so i'm uh, i guess i'm a little bit higher on dallas goddard um I, I I think he's gonna be great, and I think when Zach Ertz is out of there, like he's the man. Like he's gonna do everything at a premium position. Like we've seen this year, if you don't have um, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle until he got injured, like you're you're kind of struggling at tight end. Like there's no consistency at tight end. So to take a to to get an opportunity for a guy who's gonna be the man in Philly, um, I I think that's a pretty great value that camden got to have that opportunity for him um he was obviously like done with jared cook and he was gonna have to probably release jared cook anyway uh if he was gonna take on dallas goddard and to only have to give up a 2021 second which is more than likely gonna be like the ninth or tenth pick in the second round um like i think that's an awesome opportunity for camden i think if i was daniel I may have held on to Dallas Goddard. Like he's he's really young. I want to say he's twenty five ish. Yeah. Um. I think I would have held on to him, just like for that chance that you you don't have to go, and somehow find another tight end. Uh. Like he he has the potential to be a different maker difference maker at a spot that's really thin. Uh. So like I I saw Camden as a clear winner in this trade actually. So, okay. Um, but yeah and Dallas Goddard is actually he's nine days older than me so he is uh 25 but he was a second round pick uh in 2018 I think they do want him to be something in Philly like uh... you're talking about but I don't know I I like I like rookie picks because it lets you especially in a rebuild kind of pick according to your needs and so and Daniel has Hunter Henry I think too so that's true that's true and i will say it makes a lot more sense after this next trade we're going to talk about um right because that let's just talk about it so next trade here we got daniel and conley 
Um, so Daniel gets Allen Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, and a 2021 first. Conley gets Raheem Moster and Derek Henry. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, maybe you see it the same way as me, but I did not understand this trade at all. Um, you're going to have to, like, convince me if you see it otherwise. But Daniel gave up uh, Derek Henry and, in my opinion, just didn't receive a ton back. Um, go ahead and give me your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts before I go in because I kind of want to see what you think about it. I actually really like this trade. So I don't think that it would be um, far-fetched to say that Daniel has a like one of the weaker rosters in our dynasty league mm -hmm. and i don't know I, I that could have stemmed from the draft or that could have stemmed from a number of places but in order for that to change i think he needs individual players who can grow in value in his roster and so the way that i see this trade is daniel trades two set in stone assets now these are valuable assets but their value can't really go any higher derrick henry has already or he potentially is did he sign that big contract or is he on the franchise tag uh he got a contract i'm pretty sure okay i'll look it up but anyways he like like we know his value and it's very high but raheem mostert is always going to be in that uh 49ers offense which includes a number of running backs and so these two assets um like are set in stone in their value they're 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 valuable but they're not going to grow and now Daniel trades those for two assets with the potential to grow. He needs those to grow in value. And then one set in stone, pretty valuable asset in Allen Robinson. So Conley at five and five with arguably the most complete roster top to bottom. Mm -hmm. He continues to sell out for this year, but he, first of all, he just, he needs to focus on week to week. And I think that this trade allows him to do that. But Daniel with this trade now has, eight picks in next year's rookie draft, including six in the first two rounds. And he has the first overall pick. So let's say that uh, the Dolphins this year, they they decide that they, they have a ton of picks in the first two rounds. They decide to pull the trigger on a running back. That is so exciting to me because you've seen this year what they want. They, they want somebody to take 80% of the snaps at running back, a, a traditional bell cow role. Now throw Travis Etienne in there, throw Najee Harris in there, throw their running back of preference in there. And Daniel gets to draft that next year. Plus maybe a Jalen Waddle, plus maybe a Jamar chase. I think that Daniel trading into the first round is huge for um, like his, his rebuild. And then let's talk about Jonathan Taylor for a second. Uh, obviously he's been disappointing so far. But he's a rookie. It's only week 10. And these the, the, the Colts have seemed committed to him. Frank Reich is Philip Rivers. They all talk about him in an endearing way. Even Naeem Hines, the guys in the running back room, they want him to succeed because they know in 2018 and 2019 at Wisconsin, he was the most dominant running back in college football. They know that he's not just some nobody who... Uh, like is going to fizzle out hopefully. And so mm -hmm. I do think Jonathan Taylor, while has been while he has been disappointing, is a valuable asset in a dynasty league still. And Daniel can afford 
to wait on him in the back half of this season and maybe even the beginning of next when uh, Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hines, Marlon Mack in a contract year, when we figure out a little bit more of the Colts' backfield, I think that um, Daniel can afford to have a player on his roster like Jonathan Taylor, whose value could go down, but I think more likely will grow as his hopefully um, performance on the field continues to get better. Well, I'm going to be honest, Gabe. That was a... You're a pretty good convincer. You need to be like a lawyer or something. (laughs) It made me feel a lot better for Daniel in the trade. Um, Well, just how you talk about it, you get so excited. That's that's nice. Uh, Just just FYI, Derrick Henry did sign a four-year extension. Okay, that's what I thought, but then I doubted myself, and I don't like just like (laughs) spitting out facts that aren't true. Yeah. Um. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, and Daniel obviously like fully leaned into the rebuild. Um, do you think that he a- had to add Raheem Mostert on top of Derrick Henry for this trade? Um, like I actually think Raheem Mostert has a pretty significant amount of value. Oh, I love I love Raheem Mostert. Uh, undrafted free agent, just insane speed. Yeah. I don't know that he had to add Raheem Mostert, but I do think that even with Raheem Mostert there um I do I still think the trade is is fair and gives Daniel a real like uh, Daniel needs rookies and he needs picks and this gave him a rookie who can grow in value and like I said a a first round pick so uh, like uh, I don't know I guess you could you could say like Raheem Mostert maybe is undervalued in this trade or maybe like I'm mm-hmm. not thinking of him as highly as I need to sure but um yeah I, I don't know Look, Dude, looking at it um it's it's hard to really tell if Conley's team ever gets healthy like I don't know how anyone is ever gonna win our league like and I know I know things change all the time on players but this <laughs> Conley now has Christian McCaffrey Derrick Henry, Kareem Hunt, Antonio Gibson, Austin Eckler, Raheem Mostert. He has, oh, well, Jonathan Taylor just got traded. He has Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, and Darren Waller. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, how many, how many of those guys? if we redrafted would go in the first two rounds, like five, like yeah, Chris, quite a few. Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Michael Thomas would all definitely go in like the first round. DK Metcalf, I think would go in the first two rounds. And I don't know. You got a bunch of like Austin Eckler probably doesn't Darren Waller, maybe, but he's a tight end Re- regardless. Like that team is ridiculous. Um, yeah ridiculously good if they can ever get healthy but like you said he has sold the farm he um he has a second and third round pick in 2022 and has zero picks in 2021 yeah Um, no i know and it like i mean he got good players for him but still in a in a dynasty where situations can change really quickly um this is like a, a win now or in the next two years 
kind of situation. Yeah, it it's ridiculous. I'd love to play with that team in Madden, that's for sure. So. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, super interesting. Trade deadline was a lot of fun. Uh, those are it for our deals. Uh, Camden had asked me when the trades can open back up. It's I want to say it's either the day after our championship game or it's the day after the Super Bowl in real life. Um, I'm not sure which one, but I think that's when the trades will open back up. Um, so I'll try to do a little bit of research and find out when that is and i can put it in sleeper um but it sounds, sounds like good. sounds like uh sounds like more trades will be coming after the season um yeah the the non-point scoring uh season of trades is going to be uh it'll be fun yeah no it will it will um so let's go ahead and get into our uh recap from last week um did you have any more to talk about on that game no, no, I was just, this was my favorite week to analyze for trades because there were picks and there were rebuilds and there were like really just like volatile for, for like high floor. I don't know. I just, I had a lot, I had a yeah. good time. You could tell by just how I got into it. Like I loved this week of trades yeah. and I wasn't even involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last note on that. I, I didn't mean to bring this up. Regardless of how you feel about Daniel's trades, it's always better to like just make a decision about your team and to go oh, yeah. like make I a agree. direction and go in oh, a direction. Yeah. You do not want to get stuck in like mediocre land um, no. and like not really know which way you're going. So we, we call that we call that Houston Texansing as a verb. <laughs> a lot of people used to call it like Detroit pistoning for a long time <laughs> true so yeah very very similar situation like where you, got, you got no picks and you're middle of the pack yeah. hate to see it <laughs> exactly okay let's move on here to the week 10 recap um we had let's see i know your your game kind of came down to the end uh with Bowie. i think other than that it was pretty much uh, all these were pretty much set um going into monday night games uh, mm -hmm. besides yours so it wasn't too exciting but we did have the trade deadline so that made it more exciting um but let's talk about it here uh first game we'll talk about was me versus ben um and ben i gotta give him credit man like his team waxed me uh he actually put up the most points in the league this week um which is wild for ben uh but his team just played really well and like mine for sure underperformed it was not a good week for me um but he had he has these young players man that just keep performing really well for him and like you can see why he's so excited for the future you know like he had deandre swift uh go out and get him 23 fantasy points uh mike evans finally did his thing again justin jefferson 17 and a half points like justin jefferson's been an absolute monster for him um like his team just did really really well and he got a lot of points out of his um idp positions which helped him out like he got 30 um from one and then what 16 from the other or 12 from the other like that's really great um to get those from those two positions but his young guys are performing well he's got to feel really good and on my end um Devontae adams finally came back down to earth a little bit I had a zero spot in my IDP, which is rough. I had Evan Ingram put up two points, which really hurts. I had TJ Hawkinson 
put up two points, which really hurt. And like TJ Hawkinson's been consistent all year. Um, and this was like a real letdown. And I just had nobody that blew up. So like my players that typically blow up and, and uh, have these high ceiling plays, like just none of them did it. You know, Devontae Adams had 13. Terry McLaurin had 12. John Brown had 10. Like it was just, I had nobody that really exploded for me. And that's kind of why I was sitting there with a little mediocre 103 points but gotta give it to ben his team performed well um i'm not worried and at all about my team i don't think as of yet uh i'll feel a lot better when chris carson comes back to solidify my running backs um but other than that i like i feel like i'm in a, a fine position and ben the more wins he gets the the worse pick Bowie gets so he's going to continue trying to win every week let's go ahead and move on to this next one gabe feel free to just interrupt me whenever you get back next one we have here was uh camden and big r so big r beat camden 136 to 95 uh pretty much a beat down from the beginning um big r's team did really well i think out of a few like surprise players like, I don't know if anybody else was expecting Wayne Gallman to go out and put put up uh, 18.5 points. Um, but he gets his consistent points from James Robinson. Lamar Jackson finally performed well. Stefan Diggs with a big 20-pointer. Um, he's been really good in Buffalo with Josh Allen. Uh, so that's looking like that's going to continue to be his wide receiver one. Um, Rob Gronkowski continues to, like, barely get any receptions. But then gets a touchdown so like his fantasy day is saved um and then juju had a good week so big r's team just performed really well really uh consistent across the board he got a lot of points from a lot of different players it wasn't just like one or two um so he's got to love to see that i know he has been super shaky all season on his team but here in the last two weeks he's uh put together a couple of wins and right now he's sitting at four and six um I think just sitting outside the playoffs. And so he's got to feel good about his team moving forward. Like they're heading in the right direction. Um, for Camden, he just had a few players that like really did not do anything. Like whenever AJ Brown puts up two points, that's, that's brutal. Like you're not going to win many games when your wide receiver one is doing that. He had one reception for 20 yards. Uh, that hurts. You know, he had Jared cook in his tight end slot. Um, which we just mentioned he had, he's already traded him, but he had zero points. Uh, Brandon Cooks barely did anything, 6.9 points. Devontae Parker, four points. Um, and all of that adds up to his team really not performing well um, this week. And I want to say, let me see. Oh, and then last week he barely lost to Gabe uh, because of a stat correction. So he's, he's trending in the wrong direction here. Um unfortunately i think the injuries are just starting to catch up with him he held on admirably for a while and he's going to continue to be somebody that uh is going to put up a fight like he's not a free win at all because there's nobody that's a free win in our league but um i do have a tough time seeing camden ending this season strong uh and i don't think that he's going to ultimately have a playoff spot so we'll continue to see with that but Moving on to our next matchup, we have Zach versus Conley. So Conley 
ends up taking the win over Zach. Zach's team did terrible, uh, especially for a guy who has been like wrecking shop these last few weeks. He's arguably been like the best team in these last three weeks. Um, but Zach's team really came up short. Uh, he didn't get much at all out of Joe Burrow. Eight points. Dalvin Cook did not score 17 touchdowns this week, uh, which finally hurt him. So he only ends up with 12. James Conner underperformed. Tyler Lockett only 10. Um, like He only had three players in double digits. And one of those was an IDP that got 30 points. Um, and he still barely got over... 90 total fantasy points so i don't think at all this is going to be a trend for zach um i think this is just like one of those one of those weeks that happens a little blip on the radar so to speak uh but i think um i think it's definitely a good win for conley like to be able to get out of this week um to beat zach with only 120 points uh he's got to be feeling good about that he moves up to five and five um he currently if it ended today he would be in the playoffs and like we talked about before like Conley's team is super strong it just has to get healthy um and so we're starting to see we're starting to see a lot of that Gabe welcome back buddy hey I like have been cutting in and out but I like didn't want to interrupt either no 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 like dude I was like I I was holding on for dear life I was like okay Cameron don't don't jack up any names like Gabe can't (laughs) save you he can't yeah so um Anyways, just going back real quick, hitting a uh, hitting a quick rundown of the games that we've already covered. Yeah. For Ben, um, I do think his rookie stocks are going way up, mm-hmm. and the DeAndre Swift breakout is imminent. Uh, I mean, he was announced as the starter, yep. and he's now racked up 246 yards from scrimmage in, the, in his last two games. Justin Jefferson led the Vikings in catches, targets, and receiving yards. Got his fourth 100-yard game of the season. And we would be remiss not to talk about Roquan Smith. He has a sack and 14 tackles. He's the best IDP in our scoring format, both by both in a points-per-game basis and total points. Mm-hmm. Roquan Smith is a beast, and all three of those guys are under 24 years old. So Ben's team is looking good for the future. Yeah. Um, for Cam... I mean, anytime you start two tight ends, you are going to be in a difficult situation, but I've done it before, and uh, yeah, it was just a rough week for tight ends. No Travis Kelsey, and the ones who were in good spots, like, I I mean, I think Evan Ingram and um, TJ Hawkinson were both in good spots. I think they were both playing uh, favorable matchups, but... Uh, it was just, it was unfortunate. Um, I don't know if TJ Hawkinson's toe was bothering him and that caused something to be, uh, to go south with him and his targets and uh, his catches. But uh, yeah, I mean, both of them were held to like two catches. And Dude. then Aaron Donald, like you said, he had 47 defensive snaps, zero fantasy points. <laughs> um, I don't remember watching uh, much of this game, but I mean, I guess the the Seahawks were doubling him. And that's, I guess, the, the one of the one of the issues with a defensive tackle IDP is that um, if they mm-hmm. decide that they are going to put a guard and a center blocking you every single play, it's going to be difficult to be a difference maker, especially with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who um, has such a strong pocket presence and is able to make things happen with his legs and his arm. And then now we have uh, 
Big R and Camden, like you talked about, um, Wayne Gallman has been kind of a surprise for, um, I think, Big R's team. He's been pretty consistent. Like the last four weeks, he's uh, gotten into the end zone a couple times. Stefan Diggs is an absolute monster on the Bills and uh, definitely Josh Allen's favorite target. And the reemergence of Juju um, has been fun because he is now back to the role where he like was the number seven fantasy wide receiver um, a couple of years ago. Mm. And so um, I think that Juju long-term, remember when he traded for Juju, we said that that trade was really going to hinge on the future value. I think for the rest of this season, we can say that Juju's uh, value is going to keep going up. Was that the uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire trade? It was, it was. Wow, wow. So, so, yeah, exactly. Mm. So I think that um, that's, that's one of the fun things about Dynasty trades is that you can almost, you can go back and look at different time frames and like judge the fairness of it, but you never really know like until like two or three years from right. the trade itself yeah who the uh like true winner in value is and so um yeah camden's team like you said uh jared cook aj brown Devonte parker Devonte parker with tua is much different than Devonte parker with ryan fitzpatrick and so um even though he's still the first read and probably the one on that team um jakeem grant now that preston williams is on ir has made a name for himself there like in the last few weeks and uh i don't know Devonte parker is definitely someone to keep an eye on because he has been so up and down in his career i mean he was very consistent with ryan fitzpatrick and that was very clear we had like over a season's worth of games with that but um now that he has a different uh signal caller playing quarterback um we're gonna have to see what happens to Devonte parker and his fantasy value yeah since the bye week for Devonte parker he has not reached double digits in fantasy points um yeah. and that's i think one of those weeks he was injured um or got injured during the game but two of those weeks he was like over a 90 percent snap percentage and he had four points this week and nine points last week um and you you just weren't prior to the buy he had weeks of of 14 16 12 uh and nine you know so he's like you're saying the switch at quarterback has clearly affected his value um and i don't know if that's going to change uh it also looks like their opponents got a little bit more difficult after the buy um but i don't know we'll have to wait and see with Devonte parker but i'm with you we'll I don't know what to make of it. For Connolly, um, like we've talked about, I think he's making a push uh, for the playoffs this season. And he he will, I, I think he will get in. Antonio Gibson and Deontay Johnson have been, um, they, they, were, they were positives for his team. Deontay Johnson is looking like the clear one for Big Ben and their three-headed monster of receivers. Um, he's kind of the possession guy, the... Uh, the targets guy. And then Antonio Gibson um, has just continued to um, impress. I think the offense is far more efficient with Alex Smith. And so he, that should provide more goal line opportunities for Antonio Gibson. Um, Some of his targets may go to JD McKissick because JD McKissick has 29 targets in the last two (laughs) weeks. But um, 
I don't think that uh, JD McKissick plays in the slot sometimes. They're on the field together sometimes. Like, I don't think that it's like a clear cutting into Antonio Gibson's. Like, they're very different players, um, him and JD McKissick. And so uh, I, I like Antonio Gibson and Deontay Johnson's um, future outlook. For Zach, um, now that he, this is the first week that he hasn't gotten one of those 45 point uh, <laughs> plays from from Tyler Lockett or from from Dalvin Cook. It is yeah. the first week in a while. I think this is probably in three or four weeks. Or from Travis Fulgham, so, God dang it. Yeah, so so we get to kind of uh, like examine his team for a little bit more um, like individually, I think. And so we get to see people like James Conner who their efficiency as a runner has just evaporated. And I mean, the Steelers are still undefeated and I think he'll still be in positive game scripts. And so I don't think that James Conner is like a full blown on panic, but um, just his efficiency as a runner has, has evaporated. And so um, that will be interesting to see moving forward. Travis Fulgham. Now that the Eagles are getting healthy, we saw some Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. We saw some, uh, uh, Dallas Goddard and uh, Jalen Rager and like Travis Fulgham, I think has made it enough of a name for himself this year to still be a favorite target of Carson Wentz. But you have to be a little bit worried in just the talent and the pedigree of some of these players coming back. Dallas Goddard, a second round pick, Jalen Rager, an early round pick. Like some of these guys, Alshon Jeffrey, they paid. Uh, an absurd amount of money to I don't remember exactly contract details but um, when you have a pedigree like that and when you have made such commitments in your like general management office uh, a lot of times you can't just throw to the practice squad player who has bounced around teams even if he's proving himself Um, I hope that Carson Wentz still does see him as a favorite target of his just because I think he's talented and I think that he was overlooked in a lot of his uh, positions but you do at least have to be a little bit worried about the outlook um, of the Eagles offense not to mention that Carson Wentz is at times reckless with the with his arm and that puts them in situations where the pass catchers aren't can't be as consistent as you would like them to be and then Melvin Gordon with Philip Lindsay, I think it's a very similar to the James Conner as far as efficiency is concerned. Just still getting volume and carries, but just not doing as much as you would have hoped with the contracts that um, that that these players uh, that they've received. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know. The Broncos are a story in and of themselves. Um, I don't know that Drew Locke is the quarterback of the future there, and uh, there's so much talent that is just lying untapped because that offense is so like inefficient and hard to predict. But I think that those three players kind of highlight um, some of the, um, some of the, some of the pieces that could cost Zach a run at a championship if they don't start to figure out some semblance of consistency. Yeah. I, I still think like, he still has those players that will go out and get him 40 points more often than not, you know? And so I know this was the first week it didn't happen. I, I just, I think it is less likely that all of them are held to under 15 points than it is for one of them to bust out. And that's, I I agree. That's what like makes Zach's team so scary. Uh, yeah his, he can put up stinkers like this like you're talking about for a championship run but at the same time like his team can go out there and beat 
anybody like it doesn't matter who it is because he has he has so many players on his team that can just go out and get 40 points you know so um, yeah i'm not i'm really not worried about his team i still consider him like one of the ones that's going to make a championship push at the end so yeah hey when i was uh looking at this week in sleeper kind of prepping for the podcast mm-hmm. something i didn't realize if you go on the app and scroll down to uh standings in your league tab yeah. you can click on view details and then there's a max points for yeah like in the chart i had never seen that and yeah. so i if think that's an interesting addition to like see how competitive your team is if you had made all the right lineup decisions and like like it gives you a more realistic perspective and like you said i think that it shows that yeah zach is right there at the top because he is second not only in points four but i think in max points four even so like he does have those players that could give him a shot at the championship run and i think it shows how bad my starts to the decisions have been i'm almost 400 points um below my max points four. that's very sad i have the third most max points for that makes me feel so much better about my team. So screw yeah. all about this point yeah. this crap. No, I, I told you I made a model in uh, in Excel. Like, oh, yeah. Kind of to, to show the teams. And as the weeks have gone on, um, since you have kept winning, it has kept you like near the top. And so mm-hmm. it's been fun. It, it's crazy how uh, out of place Connolly's team is. The fact that he's vying for a playoff spot, but is still like near the top of that model is like it's so funny to me and i guess because it's hard to gauge injury in models like yeah, that yeah exactly but <laughs> it's well, still it's like camden funny. like how many points has he lost just because saquon's been on his bench the entire oh yeah yeah year, you know Cam- camden has had some unfortunate um, <laughs> very unfortunate this year <laughs> kind of feel bad especially as i have been front and center in some of those <laughs> um Okay, let's go on to our last one here, Gabe. So, uh, we had did we did we talk about Garrett and Daniel? So, so we have two more. Yeah, we have Garrett, oh, Daniel, sorry, sorry. and we have uh, Bowie and myself. Totally messed up. Uh, all good. Okay, so we had Garrett and Daniel. It seems like my idea of picking Garrett to win uh, has backfired. He did end up winning against Daniel. Um, I will say this is still like. Like 125 points is still, I feel like underperforming for his team, like ha- as it has been all year, um, and that's on top of last week him scoring only 90 points. Uh, so don't don't hear this the wrong way. Like I'm not concerned about Garrett's team. Uh, his team's still incredibly good, but he did have a few letdowns this week, um, which ultimately cost him. Sorry, not cost him, which ultimately he still beat Daniel. Uh, but you have to look at as far as, you know, Duke Johnson being your RB2, Robert Woods only putting up six points, um, Robert Tanyan, him still not being able to like solidify that tight end position. There, there are still things on, on Garrett's roster that can ultimately, like you said, cost him a championship um, that I think he just he has to be a little bit worried about not from a totality of making to the championship game, but like once you make that championship game or that semifinal game, the tight end spot matters. Like you need points out of every single spot that you have. And he hasn't gotten any out of his tight end spot. And I think that's going to start to 
Um, if he can't solidify it off of the waivers because trades are over, uh, he's got to hope that Robert Tanyan becomes more of a vocal point or a focal point on the Packers, or he's got to find something off the waivers, and I don't really see him being able to do that. So um, as for Daniel, he's in a rebuild. I'm not going to worry too much about the people for this week because half of them are no longer on his roster. So, Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree with most of that sentiment. Um, Garrett still has Alvin Kamara, who has been the best running yeah. back in fantasy football. Just insane reception totals, insane rushing. Um, I mean, a decent rushing baseline. I won't say insane rushing baseline, but just all around a very, very valuable asset. And so, um, Brandon Ayuk has also been uh, pretty involved yeah. in the 49ers offense. I think yeah. that that's encouraging. Um, we'll have to see what happens once uh, they start getting healthy. But it does seem like if you wear a 49ers uniform, um, there is no such thing as getting healthy. So uh, as long as Brandon Ayuk um, is somehow remains immune to whatever is happening in San Francisco, then he should still uh, see see targets and value and uh, some of those like uh, I don't know Kyle Shanahan special plays that he draws up for players. And then Adam Thielen, the the four years, sixty four million dollar man for Kirk Cousins, um, just always a touchdown threat, great receiver. Um, I, I think that those three, namely Adam Thielen and Alvin Kamara, uh, have continued to just be consistent as anybody for Garrett, and that mm. has helped solidify him at the top of the standings. Yeah, I do um, want to also point out that he had, Calvin Ridley was on a bye this week, so that should definitely help him solidify the right, wide receiver position. Right. And he should be getting Joe Mixon back, I I think, soon. But I feel like we've been saying that a while. Um, I agree. I so agree. Um, that does but help. yeah. No, 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 for sure. And uh, Calvin Ridley, hopefully they, for my fantasy team's sake, um, and for mostly selfishly i just i hope they like slow him in you know maybe give russell gage a few extra snaps like just make sure he's really healthy you know i don't need no 29 point performance <laughs> but anyways um yeah no i think calvin ridley long term um is going to be very valuable and especially this year at a, at a championship run um if he's healthy um gonna be another one of those players that can just win a week yeah yeah. Um, for Daniel, I was going to say that uh, the I rain totally and the wind for Deshaun Watson in that Browns game definitely costed um, Deshaun Watson some fantasy points. And um, like his flex spots, Mike Williams and Curtis Samuel, it's just hard because his <laughs> players that he's put in his flexes are like some of my favorite players in the <laughs> NFL to watch. Like I love watching Curtis Samuel, Mike Williams, Nicole Hardman, Naeem Hines, like these they do backflips because they're so athletic like these are athletic just freaks that i mean they only get a couple touches a game because like the offense doesn't revolve around them but it's just it's difficult um when you have players like that as far as fantasy football is concerned because volume is kind of king and predictability is kind of king when it comes to winning a fantasy championship and these are players that um, their their floors are almost non-existent because the volume is just not there. And this kind of uh, this kind of marks Daniel's season. He has two players on his bench in Naheem Hines and uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. One of them put up twenty six. The other one put up over twenty four. If he puts if he replaces 
almost anybody in his lineup with those two players besides DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry, he beats Garrett this week. Oh yeah. And like that, we just, we've talked about that from the beginning, like all these boom and bust players that he has, that he's just like making these dart throws and all season, it just feels like he has made (laughs) the wrong dart throw every single time. Uh, It's just kind of unfortunate, but at the same time, it, I don't know that this was ever going to be a championship contending team. Like I'll just admit I was dead wrong from the beginning on Daniel's team. Um, Cause I guess I picked him to be like my surprise finisher towards the top. Um, but because he's missed on all these dart throws, he has given himself really a great chance uh, at the top pick in next year's draft to help start that uh, rebooting of his team. So I agree. Going on to our last matchup here, uh, we've got you and Bowie. It was really the only close one of the week. Um, so why don't you just, uh, going into the last night, why don't you like give me a rundown, what you needed, what Bowie needed, and then how yeah. it kind of ended up. I mean, it was a tough game. I think Bowie deserved to win, but it was definitely hard to watch Nick Chubb go out of bounds at the one, uh, Miles Sanders get his touchdowns, snaked by Corey Clement on his one snap or Boston Scott on his, I mean, it was a long run. It was, it was a pretty special run, but still, man, Miles Sanders carried that offense and only like he didn't get to reap the benefits of it. You know, he didn't get to get in the end zone. He got his two point conversion and uh, they snaked all his touchdowns. So, I mean, um, aside from that, I think that Bowie's team, uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, had a revenge game versus me. I traded him for Nick <laughs> Chubb and a few other assets, um, and he showed me uh, that I was dead wrong. Averaged over 100 yards per game in his last three games, uh, over five yards a carry this game. Like, just has looked really good. And uh, I don't know what they're doing with Devontae Booker, who was like another RB one that they just also could use against Denver because they were up, but like. Still, Josh Jacobs had a monster week. Um, DJ Moore, uh, four catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Carolina's offense is hard to predict without Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey, but um, DJ Moore is just so explosive. And, uh, like, that play-action screen that he took for a 24-yard touchdown, like, they just – I feel like they always have, like, one DJ Moore-only drive, and it's, like, every pass goes to DJ Moore, and that's his fantasy output. Yeah, and and it always ends up good. And yeah, no, then they I just know. go away so from it. Good. It's so he's crazy. So it's, it <laughs> like is. It is wild. But like, it's like, I, like, do you feel that way too when you watch Carolina games? Like, yes. It's like it's one drive. It's like only DJ Moore. Yeah. And then the rest of the game is just like not that yeah. at all. And like, admittedly, more as anywhere on the field. Admittedly, I, I have DJ Moore in another league, so that's <laughs> specifically why I watch it. Uh, yeah. so like I, i'm i'm rooting for him to get the ball you know so i understand yeah. probably it's a little biased but but no like seriously uh it was a couple weeks ago the first drive they threw like three or four straight passes to dj Moore. first drive of the game he goes down scores a touchdown right like catches three out of the four passes like moss is a guy goes in scores a touchdown he doesn't get another target until the fourth quarter like it, it doesn't make any sense it's weird and so yeah no i'm with you I, he's an incredible talent man but he is. but the offense is super hard to predict and he, honestly like you kind of remember that from lsu last year like uh yeah uh, what's uh, brady what's what's like yeah joe, joe brady. brady you kind of remember that from lsu last year like 
Joe Burrow was so good and and that offense was really unpredictable because he could get the ball everywhere on the field. Like they got running backs yeah. involved. They got all of their different four, five star receivers, all of them yeah. involved um, in the offense. Like it was so impossible to stop that offense because the ball went everywhere. And I think that's just kind of like the Joe Brady model, you know, right. like, Hey, we're not, we're not really going to just like have one person that does everything. Well, I guess they will when Christian McCaffrey's there, at least he's shown that in the three games he's played. But but they're trying to spread that ball around a ton. And I think that's why you've really seen Robbie Anderson um, come alive this year because teams are coming into that game and they're like, hey, we got to shut down DJ Moore. And uh, Joe Brady's like, well, I know you're going to do that. So I'll just run this route or I'll get Robbie Anderson wide open every single time because I know he's going to have single coverage. Um, And it's really like made teams stop and think about how to defend uh, the Panthers. So... I don't know what the future outlook of DJ Moore is. The talent is still for sure there. Like he is, he is really, really good receiver. So anyway, that was kind of the uh, recap there. Oh, I did want to mention on Gabe's team. Um, he had mentioned Nick Chubb going out at the one and Miles Sanders getting snaked. Miles Sanders looked really good last week um, and gives Gabe a very scary one-two punch at the running back position. Uh, Gabe is sitting at six and four and in fourth place uh so i think gabe is definitely going to be around for uh the playoffs and he's around no no no. that's what i'm saying welcome back by the way uh (laughs) that's what i'm saying like you're going to be around and like you are going to be one of those scary teams because that's just what happens when you have that one-two punch in miles sanders and nick chubb like yeah i feel like we've forgotten a little bit about how good nick chubb is just because of the injury and like he's kind of been off our radar for a little bit but the dude like 19 carries for 126 yards and one touchdown and should have had another touchdown like he he just cranks out yardage and they want to get him involved and like kareem hunt being there does not hurt his fantasy value at all like i in fact i almost feel like it keeps both of them really fresh like throughout the entirety of the game um Mm -hmm. and and they just wear down defenses and nick tubb is a huge part of that and he's a really really great player um and i know you're excited to have him even though you had the josh jacobs revenge game so i know i know but i was also gonna say jared goff played a really good nfl football game (laughs) but like no touchdowns how many times they had three rushing touchdowns inside the 10 yard line but so his fantasy performance was subpar and then marquise brown man i don't know what to do with marquise brown like the whole Ravens offense, I'm just like, dude, it's what, Lamar. What it's Lamar. Like, it's not Marquise Brown. And, and like, I, I, I think I'm still going to play him this week. He has a good matchup against the Titans, and like, I'm just gonna continue running my head into this wall because at the end of the day, there's nobody that I have on my team that has the upside of Marquise Brown because, like, especially when I'm playing these juggernauts. And so, like, yeah, I'm playing Garrett this week. He's eight and two. His team puts up like a baseline of 130 points and like i don't i don't reach 130 points unless i play my ceiling players so like i think i have to plug him back in and just hope that lamar jackson can hit him but it it has been so discouraging to play marquise brown this year and i have him in so many places mm. yeah i also want to say for Bowie's team uh like just want to make it fair uh clyde edwards hilaire was on a bye this week and uh i think I think it'll be really interesting to see what the Chiefs do coming out of the bye week. Um, 
if they're going to get Le'Veon Bell more involved. I know Clyde has looked really good since Le'Veon came over um, from the Jets, uh, but then followed that up with the last two weeks have been a little bit subpar. Um, and he only has two touchdowns on the season, which that really caps your upside as a running back. Uh, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Chiefs use their running backs um, after the bye week, because that's typically when you see teams really like fine-tune everything uh, going towards the end of the season here with the Chiefs who have championship aspirations. Um, I think what you see coming out of the bye week is probably what you will see the rest of the season. So just something to keep our eye on there. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think that there was like some report of Clyde Edwards-Alaire with an illness and uh, Damian Williams, I think, with an illness or um, oh, really? like two of, the, two of the running backs. But I don't think it was COVID related. We'll have to see going into the weekend. Okay. Um, I think they're still playing, but I know that they earlier the questionable in the week tag? when I was making, huh? Did they have the questionable tag on them? I don't, I don't know. They didn't practice, and it just said parentheses illness. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. I okay. hope it's not COVID related because um... I, I think they have to designate if it's COVID related. Okay. Okay. So well then, but I also sickness, think that I there's like think. a like if you have COVID symptoms, even if you haven't tested positive, like yeah. you still can't play day of game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so no, I'm with um, you. I'm just saying. Uh, I think if it if if it is even at all. Uh, a remote possibility that it could be COVID. They the team this year has to designate that it's oh, COVID okay. um, related. I think that's part of the uh, policies that the NFL has put in. Oh yeah, and it says actually I I didn't read the update. It says Clyde Edwards is good to go this week. So okay, okay, cool. Chiefs should be full blown good to go, and we should see like you said the indication of what the uh, kind of trajectory direction for that team is. Yep. So um, that's our recaps. Uh, I do want to mention, so me, Camden, and Gabe all made picks on those games. Um, so me and Gabe chose me versus Ben, and then Camden chose Ben. So Camden got that one right. All three of us chose Camden versus Big R. We all three got that wrong. Um, and then me and Camden chose Zach versus Conley. Gabe, you chose Conley. So you got that one right, and hey. we got it wrong uh i chose i'm sorry me and camden chose garrett versus daniel and then you chose daniel um me and camden got that one right because garrett won and then all three of us chose you over Bowie, which all of us got that wrong so hold on i'm pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure i'm the worst picker of all time um the only one i got right was garrett and that's because i wanted him to lose so not a good sign there, but whatever. Tis tis my mo, I guess, on this pod, as you guys like to remind me how bad my takes are. Um, really quick, let's look at week eleven and then kind of wrap up here. Uh, getting into our first matchup, we've got me versus Big R. Um, Big R, as we talked about, is coming off of. A couple of weeks where his team has played much better. Um, I'm coming off a week where my team did not perform very well. I'm also dealing with uh, some injuries this week with uh, Kenny Galladay being out, Chris Carson being out. Um, because of that, I think Big R is going to continue to uh, perform well. 
I think my team is going to take a little bit of a back seat this week um, and not do as well. So I'm going to pick Big R in our matchup. Um, next matchup is Camden versus Ben. Uh, as we kind of talked about, Ben's team is playing better, um, and Camden is kind of on the downward uh, slope these last couple weeks just with all those injuries really hitting him. Um, because of that, I'm going to take uh, Ben this week. Um, I don't think Camden has very uh, favorable matchups. Aaron Jones plays Indiana. Todd Gurley plays New Orleans. Uh, A.J. Brown plays Baltimore. Um, his matchups just aren't looking as good this week. Uh, oh, yeah, so C.D. Lamb plays Minnesota, which I'm hoping that that can be more of like a bounce-back game for him. Justin Jefferson plays Dallas which we'll see what Dallas defense we get. Um, Kenyon Drake, we already saw the, the Thursday night game, played well for Ben, uh, got a touchdown, ended with 14 points. So I just think it lines up a lot for Ben to uh, pull off a little bit of an upset here um, and to kind of get on a, a win streak for him. Like, that'd be really cool. So I'm going with Ben in that one. The next matchup we have is Daniel versus Conley. I think this is really easy to evaluate like Daniel like we talked about he made a decision with this team he's gone full rebuild mode um I, I don't he's going to continue to like fill out his roster but it's not going to be pretty I don't think um what's funny is he actually has some good matchups here he's playing two running two Colts running backs in Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor um so maybe the Colts backfield goes off but I think this is a no-brainer. I think um, I think Conley's going to win fairly easily in this one. Next matchup is Zach versus Bowie. Oh, yeah, the little Zach versus Bowie rematch. Um, I expect the talking on Sleeper to be endless. Um, but with that being said, I think, yeah, oh, my gosh, yeah, Zach has really great matchups this week. Uh, he is projected an absurd 152 points. Uh, he had a good week from Tyler Lockett. Patrick Mahomes uh, has come on really strong lately. Dalvin Cook plays Dallas. That's probably going to be at least 57 points. James Conner, Jacksonville, Julio Jones, New Orleans, Amari Cooper, Minnesota. Oh, man. Yeah, he has really great matchups. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. I I actually think I think Zach's going to reach 200 points this week. 200? 200, dude. 200. Like he Oh my. What's the highest score we have this year? So I did not bring this up because of this, but I actually am pretty sure I reached 200 one of the first weeks. I can I can double check while you're looking at the last matchup, but that would be I could an also, insane. I number. could also be thinking of another league. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, do know another league. The reports for a second. Yeah, no, no, no. It was Camden. It was Camden. I'm looking right now. It was Camden. He put up 214 points in week two. What? <laughs> Which, that is an absurd oh my number. Gosh. Yeah, go ahead and just go look at that. But oh. Yeah, so oh that's my, my bold prediction. Deck. Aaron Jones, <laughs> Tyler Higby back when he was good. David Montgomery with a twenty-one point game. What? Hey, one of these, one of these pods, we ought to just go back and look at like weeks one and two and be like, you remember those days? Yeah, I looked and I have like four players left on my roster. 
those weeks, bro. Uh, so that's my bold prediction. I think Zach puts up like 200 points this week. Um, yeah, he's just got great matchups like all over the place. It's ridiculous. A win, I don't know about 200 though. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Zach, even though I think Bowie's team is still gonna put up a solid outing. I just don't yeah. think he has a chance. Um, and then you. let me run through this last one, Gabe, and then we'll let you do yeah. all your picks. For um, sure. So last matchup we have is Gabe and Garrett. <clears throat> and let me see my notes here. Uh, I just I have to stick with my theme of choosing Garrett. Um, I'm I'm two for three on him losing when that happens. So Gabe, I want you to know I'm choosing Garrett to win, but I really want you to win. Um, that's how I'm. That's how I'm going about it. And you actually have a chance because Buda Baker didn't score two uh, two touchdowns in this game. He only put up a measly nine points, which Buda Baker has been pretty consistent for Garrett all year. So, yeah, I'm going to choose Garrett, but hope that uh, Gabe wins. Okay, Gabe might have to uh, put his picks in sleeper. Um, all right, hey, we're going to get this. We're going to get this thing figured out with with Gabe by next week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, good luck to everybody. I hope you have time to listen to this before the games tomorrow, or else uh, we're just going to look real dumb if you listen to this next week and all the things we uh, projected just didn't happen. So good luck to everybody, except Bagar and Garrett.